0: Oh, dogs, yeah. fire. What are you Let me
1: check
0: this. Who? Check this audio.
1: Check 1212. Oh, dogs, fire. We got audio, sir. We got audio. Let's go. Hoodstocks podcast is brought to you by Looking for some good quality cannabis? I mean, killer quality cannabis. Hit up the folks at Killer Kush. They specialize in bringing you the best quality available from OG to exotic. They got it all, baby. Hit them up at killerkushcali at gmail.com or follow them on IG at underscore, underscore 420. And that's how you can find their nearest location. And if you're in the city of East Los Angeles, yes, sir. East LA Exotics. They are located at 6009 East Olympic Boulevard. This podcast is also brought to you by Gutter Phenom. Gutter Phenom is a lifestyle brand that is dedicated to supporting and inspiring individuals who are determined to achieve their dreams. We believe that no matter where you come from and what you've been through with hard work and dedication, anything is possible. A portion of our proceeds are donated to organizations that provide vocational training for parolees and scholarships and for those in need of drug and alcohol treatment. Visit gutterphenom.com and use exclusive code hoodstocks20 to receive 20% off your order today. This podcast is also brought to you by Apish OG. Follow them on Instagram at Apish underscore OG, and you can pull up on them in the city of Maywood at OG Nation. Come get your flowers, edibles, one-stop shop for all your needs, baby. Let's go. Casey, is it game time? Yes, sir. Well, let's it's get this sh- let's get this shit popping, then, my g. Yes, welcome to Hoodstocks on a Thursday evening. Hey, peep game! If you wanna uh, support Hood Stocks, go to www50 fiftywags. I dropped everything five to ten dollars down, and this is for Fourth of July weekend, baby. We love you guys. Let's go! Yeah, like, subscribe, all that good shit. Mm. Like the Thursday evenings, we really need to get back to these weeknights, man. The weeknights are the nights to do this, man. It's when people are getting off of work, or those that have a job. (laughs) Some don't have a job, and it's okay for right now. But, you know, you guys work on that shit, man. Get a job. Get a program, man. It will keep you out of trouble. It's kept me out of trouble, you know. Program time, baby. But just on a different level out here type of shit. Um, Case, we got another sponsor, don't we?
0: Yes, we do. And I'd like to give a big shout out to uh, the number one criminal defense attorney in all of the Southland. That is Doug Sherrod. That is Doug Sherrod, the king of the Southland, a.k.a. the King Kong of the courtroom. To where you can reach him. At kingkonglawyer.com. And I'll say it again. Kingkonglawyer.com.
1: Let's say it together, Casey, on the count of three. One, two, three. Kingkonglawyer.com. King Kong ah, nah, that wasn't very good. One more time. <clears throat> on the count of three. One, <clears throat> two, three. King, King Kong, Kong Lawyer.com. That was super gay.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, fuck. oh, man. So today we got to excuse the corny shit, guys. But, hey, this lawyer is a badass lawyer. Um, he once upon a time ago was on the other side of the fence. And when I mean the other side of the fence, I'm not saying committing crimes. But this dude was a federal prosecutor. And then he was a DA for uh, LA County, city of Los Angeles. And he didn't like the way things were going, man. So he said, fuck this shit. He on this side of the fence. He representing uh, criminals, uh Allegedly. You know, um, and uh, KingKongLawyer.com. This dude is legit. Doug Sheridan. Okay, so today we have a different type of podcast for you guys, man. You know, we always got to switch it up. We got up universal around here, man. And in the hood, it is just not gang banging and doing drugs and fucking prostitutes, even though those are my three favorite things uh, once upon a time ago to do, Doug. Um, But today we have a very, very interesting story. I want everybody to give it up for Mike. Young. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) Welcome, welcome. Um, Mike, how are are you doing today, brother? Have you done any podcasts before? Have you shared your story on this type of platform?
2: I have done it a few times. Can you talk on the mic, sir? I've shared my story a couple times on uh, a couple different podcasts. Okay. Um, Yeah, real estate one and uh, another transplant one.
1: Okay, cool, cool, cool. And so what would you... uh, um, so you are a, a heart transplant survivor, yeah. And we were talking about that earlier. I mean, what is the percentage of individuals that have the, their heart transplanted, right? Uh, get a new heart and they survive that? Is that a, is that a high risk uh, surgery?
2: It's still high risk. It's not as um, when I was when I was a kid when I had mine 27 years ago. It was a lot more risky, but now the survival rate for the first year is a lot higher and. They're really, they really. only really, from my understanding, track it the first five years. So it's like the first year, the first three years, and five years. And after that, it's kind of, I guess they stop getting funding or something. So they don't really track it as well.
1: They don't track it as well because there's not money involved.
2: My, from my understanding, I'm not 100% on that. Hey, yeah. man,
1: money makes the world go round, even if it's got to do with people's health, unfortunately, you know?
0: Yes, it does. Yeah.
1: Um, everybody wants to get paid, even if they're just helping out someone else. They need to see them dollar bill signs, and that fucking sucks, man, you know? Um, but it is what it is, isn't it? it's the world, the country that we live in, and whatever, you know, you figured it out thus far. So we uh, let's share your story, brother. You know, let's start from the very beginning. You know, you, wait. You also have a foundation as well. Yeah. But just say the name of the foundation, and then we'll we'll talk about how you got into that foundation. But so they know right now, you not only have a story, but you have created a foundation.
2: Yeah. So I started with a, uh, like a, it's called the Young at Heart Foundation. It's for kids waiting for transplant. And uh, not all of them are waiting. Some already had it. But we're on, we're working with uh, Children's Hospital LA right now, and they refer us patients that are waiting. So we started last year. We had we helped five families last year, and then this year we have about seven families. We we've been helped so far.
1: Okay, and we'll get into how you help those families. Uh, uh, you know, as we get through your story yeah. or whatever point of that story, the part of the story is when you started that. Um, so let's 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 take it back. I mean, uh, you, were you, ra- you where were you raised at?
2: I, I grew up in Northeast. Uh, I grew up in Highland Park in Eagle Rock.
1: Okay, okay, yeah. dope, dope, and um at what age were you? I mean, let's, I'd like you to share your story, brother, of how like how old were you when you had to get your heart transplant?
2: I was 14 when I got my heart transplant.
1: Okay, so let's 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 hold up right there yeah. and let's, get, let's let's start a little ways back from there, bro, so you can say okay. what went led to that point of you having to get a heart transplant or what uh, transpired.
2: All right. So, when I was around 1 year old, I must have got a cold or something and my grandma noticed that I was having a hard time breathing. So my mom was taking me to specialists, the ER, and stuff, and then they found out that I had cardiomyopathy, and I, it was never really, like, really like, uh, uh, intense for me as a kid, um, as a baby, or you know. So what what is
1: that that you just said right there?
2: Cardiomyopathy is an enlarged heart. Okay. And so I couldn't really like play contact sports or anything. I grew up playing baseball and soccer, but never really like. Football or anything. So
1: football. when you have an enlarged heart, what 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 is how do you feel that? What is it doing to your your body?
2: You know, it never really affected me until I hit 14 years old when I I just I sprouted up quite a bit um, when I hit puberty, and then I from like right when I started high school that I just couldn't. I just got real tired. Like I was so so real you tired.
1: knew. So you knew since you were how old that you had an enlarged heart.
2: Since I was about one.
1: Since you're one years old, yeah. and and what? How did the doctors find out that you had an enlarged heart?
2: Um, from my understanding, when my mom no- and my grandma noticed that I was having a um, hard time breathing, yeah, they sent me to like ERs and stuff and. You know I, I really don't remember all that stuff. But okay, so
1: you were having you were having issues with your breathing. You were struggling breathing as a baby. Yeah, your family sees that and said, "Hey, we got to get him to the hospital." And that's when you find you're, you get yeah. diagnosed with uh... cardiomyopathy. Okay.
2: Yeah, but like for me, it was always mild cardiomyopathy, so it wasn't. Even when I first got started getting sick, it took them like a month to find out. Like, um, so I was going to like, I went to like five different ERs I was being told I had hepatitis, mono, liver disease and eventually they ended up cuz we just kept going like we kept going back and at Glendale Venice, they ended up finding out that it was my heart and about a week later they ended up telling me that I had needed a heart transplant.
1: Okay, so we just jumped back ahead to 14 yeah. years old. Yeah,
2: my bad. No worries. brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: No worries, brother. I'm just, I'm trying to I'm trying to stay with you on this, you know. So help us with that a little bit. I and mean, you know yeah, just so be,
2: be. as a as a kid i really i lived a normal life like the i didn't i didn't realize that everybody didn't have a heart heart doctor i just kind of thought it was normal cuz i really only saw him once a year so it wasn't something like i had to take medication or i had to go like do anything crazy like I, the only thing i remember really doing as a kid was like having to do a stress test where you're on a treadmill and they kind of just track your heart got you but it wasn't um it wasn't really, like, a big deal, like, to me, until it just got really, really bad when I was 14. When you were 14. Yeah.
1: And this is when you, uh, what, what exactly are you feeling at 14 years old again?
2: Um, like, it was just, like, like a, just a strange feeling. I, I remember exactly, like, we we're me and one of my uncles were going to the movies, and uh, just walking there, I, I had trouble, like, getting there. Got you. You know, and it just kept getting worse. But it got worse like within a month, like crazy.
1: Okay. So within a month you're saying uh you, hold on real quick. Yeah. I need to put that like that, bro, because I need you to speak into that. All right. Um so within a month, it's a quick turnaround, you go to the doctors mm-hmm. and you find out from the doctors that you have
2: Yeah, so the doctors, um, I guess I told my parents that um, his only option is a transplant.
1: It's a transplant. And and what are the, I mean, back then, this is 27 years ago, which puts us in what year?
2: 94, I believe.
1: 94. And how old are you again, 14? I was 14 at the time. Okay, 94, you're 14 years old. And they're telling your parents that, hey, your heart is basically no good. It's going to yeah. fail out on you, and it's if you, di- it's dying. Yeah, it's dying. Your heart is dying, and so what consists of a heart that's dying?
2: Um, so it's just, it's just. Um slow cuz it like in the large heart it's it's like double the size of your normal heart okay so it's just weak and it can't pump it got can't you. pump through you know through can't your body can't pump the blood through yeah okay so, and then because of i guess i kept growing it it just couldn't keep up with my body
1: got you got you cuz you're at that prime age too when you're starting puberty and everything yeah. 14 years old and uh, a lot of your body's developing at a at a fast rate um and so they say your heart is dying. They tell your parents that you need a heart transplant, and I mean, how does that work, brother? You know, I mean, you know, how do you get in the market for a new heart?
2: So, because I was at Glendale Venice, they were gonna have to transfer me to a hospital that does transplants. So, um, my cardiologist was from Children's Hospital LA, and my mom made it, like basically, made it that he, uh, my cardiologist from Children's, came and talked to me. So it's kind of like two different companies, you know what I mean? And a lot of times they don't interact, but because of the severity and that, you know, back then there was, it was very rare, transplants. So my doctor was able to come, you know, and tell me, me and my, well, tell me, because my family already knew that I needed a transplant. And about, I think a day or two later, they transferred me from Glendale, Venice to Children's Hospital.
1: Okay, so when, when you're 14 years old and you have a doctor, telling you that your heart, you need a heart transplant, your heart is dying on you. I mean, how does, how does, how did you take that information? And also too, like exactly how is it presented to you? Well, I mean, the doctor's talking to basically a child, a kid, right? Yeah. A, a very, very young man. Um, I mean, does he, how does a doctor present that to you? Does he telling you, hey man, uh, you need, your heart is dying. If we don't get a new heart in you, you're gonna die.
2: I don't really remember a lot of it. I remember the, the scenario. I'm in the bed. My family's around me. And, you know, honestly, the biggest thing I remember is my dad crying. I'd never seen my dad cry in my life. So it kind of that kind of scared me. Yeah. And then when he told me I need a transplant, like, that that shit didn't even sound real. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think I've heard of it before, like, in a movie or something. But I've never, like, you know, especially 27 years ago, you don't think about that shit, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, twenty-seven years ago was a whole, a whole different time. You know, there was no social media. I yeah. mean, we were less aware, right? It's yeah, easy to nothing. say. Like the kids now, probably at fourteen years old, you know, they can Google that, right? Yeah. They can find out right away. Are, are they seen it? You know, online somewhere or something, right? I mean, the kids are a lot more advanced now than say we were back then. We're advanced in other ways. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> But um, technology wise and information wise, the kids are very advanced right now. Um, And so they 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 transfer you to Children's Hospital. And so are you taken in like an ICU situation or how does that work?
2: Yeah. So I was in the ICU um, immediately going into Children's and I stayed there the whole time till my transplant.
1: And how long how long was that?
2: I was in the hospital for seven months,
1: seven months. Wow. That's that's pretty quick. I, I would say that's pretty quick. I mean, I don't know how it works, bro. You know, but it just seems like I've, I've heard, you know, through uh, through the Internet that heart transplants can potentially the list is deep.
2: Yeah. So it's, it's very different now. Like now it's the, um, the list is so much bigger than back in the day.
1: Why is that, though? Is, is so, I'm not even sure. Is there, Maybe is, there, is there less hearts, or is there something that we're doing to ourselves health wise that is making more I, diagnosis of people that need new hearts?
2: I mean, I would think we have more hearts available now because more people are organ donors. But, um, and also, I, I also think like Glendo Venice wasn't doing heart transplants. I don't know if they're doing them now, but I, I would say more hospitals are doing them. So the there's probably more people joining the list, and but honestly, I'm re- I'm really not sure about that.
1: Okay, so
2: but there are a lot more people now. That's for a fact.
1: So seven months in ICU, what what is uh, going through your head if you can remember? And I'm sure you know you you probably remember some things because it's a very pivotal point in your life. You know, probably traumatic time in your life. Uh, and what are they telling you? You know, hey man, we got we. You know, like how does that work? You're waiting for someone else to die, right, or yeah. something?
2: Yeah. So they're the cool thing about Children's Hospital. They're just such a great. They're they educate you through the whole process. So they they um, they're explaining to me like, okay, this is going to be what's going to happen next. Like you're going to have to take medication for the rest of your life. You're gonna. Um, you know, you're you're going to have to take care of your your organ. You're going to have to watch for rejection. You're you know all these little things. And then um, because it's I was there from September to just before April, and you know so like you're going through the holidays, you're going through all this stuff. But at the at the ICU level, there for the doc, the nurses and everybody I had, the team, they were just amazing. Like really explaining stuff, telling me like don't you're not going to do this again. Like you're not supposed to go in public pools. You're not supposed to eat raw food. Um, you're not uh, uh, just just a, uh, the medication. The biggest thing that they stress on you is I have to take medic. I've been taking medication every day since my transplant. I take it twice a day. I take about I would say right now twenty pills a day. Wow! And a while ago I was at like thirty eight, like couple couple of years ago.
1: What is it? Is it like steroids and all kinds of different things? Yeah,
2: steroids, uh, anti-rejection medication. But now, like, so it's crazy. So everything changes, you know, throughout time. Like all all the all the technology has gotten better. So if you're if you get a transplant now, most likely the the transplant team's gonna have you um, get off the steroids very quickly because they they know now they know that you could live without the steroids, but if your body gets used to the steroids, they're not gonna risk taking you off of them because that couldn't get you sick. Got you. So like, um, that's one thing that they're like, they were thinking about taking me off recently was taking me off the prednisone, the steroids, but they decided not to because it was too much of a risk if it could fuck it up, you know? Yeah.
1: Okay, okay, okay. And so uh, these seven months that you're in there, um, they're just saying, hey, we're waiting for a heart to come in for you. I mean, are you, were you on a, on a list back then? I mean, how, how exactly did it work when, when you, got the, the, you got the word, hey, your heart's on its way?
2: Yeah, so the they put you on – I don't know exactly when I got put on the list, but, you know, you get put on the list. But because you're in ICU and you're so sick, a lot of times you get, like, uh, infection, a cold, or different things. And then you have to get taken off the list. Like I don't remember how many times I got taken off, put back on.
1: Because you weren't you weren't ready for surgery. Is that correct? yeah, because yeah. you want
2: to be ready for surgery. But after about three months, I was so sick that they they were able to, to put this device in me called an Alvad. And it's right here. But an Alvad Can we see that? Yeah. Huh,
1: can you show the camera that? It's you're right there, bro, that camera.
2: Oh, okay. Straight. So it's right here, brother. Oh, right there. Yeah. There you go. And so, so that what, right here.
1: what is that, bro?
2: So th- this is called an ALVAD. It's a. Want to check it out? Yeah. It's a left ventricular assist device,
1: bro. This like, seems like something off a fucking car. Or yeah, something.
2: that thing's fucking. It, it, I could open it. Here, latch. Um, a turbo.
1: Yeah. Turbo. turbo. <laughs> oh, the homie got the Flowmaster in him.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So when I when I got this shit, um, I was the the first person at Children's Hospital to have one, and the youngest person in the world at the time but it was only because i was tall yeah like because they're only doing them for adults at the time and um this thing basically is a bridge to transplant and now they're like they're, they're tiny like they'll go right into your heart like i've seen kids with like babies have them now it's, wow it's fucking amazing
1: and so what what is this thing doing and where is it at inside of you
2: so this thing was placed like in my side right here okay and it was connected to like a big vcr and like a big like vcr type machine and uh, and then it was like two tubes that went up to my heart and basically this thing pumped for my heart because my heart was too weak wow Whoa. Well, yeah so these are like the like right now when people need a heart transplant i would say at least 60 percent of people are getting albads and you're able to like live your life now like they'll have like a little fanny pack or something like a little you know thing and it's connected to them and it's a battery pack and they could just go like when back when i had it like you had to be in the hospital okay there was no but my thing because it was so new and it was so like revolutionary at the time i think this is the second model or the first i'm not a hundred percent wow um but it internally bled on me twice it like disconnected so like one 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 night um i wasn't feeling good like my shoulders were hurting and i just remember that like i don't remember a lot of it but I remember finally I fell asleep and I woke up and all the doctors were in my room and nurses, like the head surgeon was in my room. And he got like a big uh, um, syringe and put it in my stomach and sucked it out and it was filled with blood. Oh, fuck. And then he immediately rushed me into the OR because he knew I was internally bleeding. And
1: when you're internally bleeding, you, you can potentially die from that.
2: Yeah, I was pretty much dying. If you they didn't dying. take me when they did. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's because you lost the hose on the LVAC, huh?
2: Yeah, so the, the tube that went to my heart, one of the stitches came out from what they told me. Like, <clears throat> the the stitch kind of, like, got loose, so, like, there was a little leak. Uh, so, little by little, all my blood, because my blood's pumping through it, and then there's a leak, like, in the, you know what I mean? And it's just filling up my stomach and my body. Wow. Oh. Uh, and that happened twice. It happened, like... A month later, because I forget a different reason, but there was something, in, like, in the tube that it started leaking, and I had to get rushed up again. But I don't really re- remember that one. I remember the first one more. And then you just wake up, like, a week later, because you're just all, you don't have the tube down your throat and all that shit.
1: And so back then, um, you seem you seem like uh, – it's hard for you to remember some of these things did they have you on uh on a lot of medication that just killed the pain uh kept you down a little bit
2: you know i really don't remember being i'm sure they did you know to a point especially like um you know jumping ahead a little bit i just saw um a kid that's just had a transplant and he's still in the hospital he's he's intubated he has a you know the breathing machine yeah and uh when I, I was in his room, cause I was giving him something from our, our charity, it took me back. Cause I remember having the tube down my throat, you know, and you, you just, it's a, it's a fucked up feeling, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but certain things like, tr- you know, you you remember shit. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so leading up to you getting the heart that you have in you now that has lasted you uh, 27 years and will last you till you're 90 years old, right? Yeah, God willing. God willing, right? Um, what was that? What was that process like? Um, was it a fast process? Hey, we got a heart. I mean, did they tell you the backstory of where the heart came from? I mean, do you remember any of that?
2: You know what? All I remember is my mom came in the room, like in the middle of the night, and then, but during, I remember waking up like an hour or two before, because they kept coming in, like adding new mach- new medicine. And uh, and usually, like, I was there so long that I just knew the routine. So it was like the routine was off. And then my mom came in and was like, hey, like, they got the heart. And I was just like, Fuck, like, we're doing this, you know. Like, yeah. It's happening. <laughs> it's finally happening. And uh, I honestly, I don't even remember what happened, but I just remember waking up, you know, like a couple of days later.
1: And how did you feel when you woke up a couple of days later? And you knew you had a new heart. Yeah.
2: So there was like two different experiences. So when I first got sick and those first three months in the hospital before this, I felt the worst I've ever felt. Like I couldn't. One, one time, like I when I realized how sick I was, because a lot of times you could be sick, but mentally in your head you're still like, nah, I could do shit. You know what I mean? Like I could still, you know, do normal stuff. But so one time I remember I had a I had to take a piss. And uh my dad was in the room, I think my uncle or my mom or my uncle or my sister and the nurse. But the nurse was just a little a little short petite lady. And then she's like, Oh, let me help you, let me help you and I was like, Ah, dick, like I could I could stand up, you know? Yeah. As soon as I went to I put my feet over the you know, the edge of the bed and I went to stand up, I, I fell on the floor. I couldn't even stand up. That's when I realized how sick I was. It wasn't like like you don't really re- like realize it right away. And, Depending on how sick you are, you know? Well, your
1: mind was strong, but your body was... Yeah, it was fucked. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Huh. Probably a lot of people experience that, that are, you know, fighting cancer and a lot of other horrible diseases that are out there. Yeah. Their mind is strong, but their body is telling them otherwise.
2: Oh, yeah, man. Like, so, I've, I've also had cancer. had cancer a couple years ago. And uh, I have some other stuff, but... Um, this in in january i caught covid and covid's the first time i felt as sick as i did when i was a kid and it it, it took put me back in the hospital and shit but it's a trip like those are the only two times in my life where i felt that sick where i i knew i couldn't do anything
1: and so back to when you got your heart you woke up you have a new heart in your chest i mean how did you feel
2: you know, the the wait was so long. I was just kind of like relieved and and happy. But I also it felt like they put a new battery in me, like it, it was. Of course, you reflect and you you know like, fuck somebody died for me to live. Like it's it fucks with you. You know what I mean? But you know that was the choice that that family made, and I you know I thank thank them. I thank God for it. But you know it was just like my body was getting energy again. So it, it was, that was crazy. Like, you know what I mean? Especially as a kid, like you don't, it's, you're just ready to go li- live again. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Did but, you find out where the where the heart came from? Any backstory of how you got the heart?
2: You know what? So all I was told when I was a kid was they ran track or something. And it wasn't until a couple years ago I had a lawsuit, like and like two years ago, and the lawyer told me. The lawyer told me it was a girl's heart, but that's all he really knew. But I don't. I don't really have any knowledge of the fa- of the person or the family and family.
1: yeah, like how she yeah, I don't really I don't how know how she passed away.
2: Yeah, it's not like today. Like now, if if you really want to know, you just Google everybody that you know that died, and you could probably figure it out from huh. a, like some information that they're giving you. You know, but back then, you know, I guess you could have if you're just looking through newspapers, but it wasn't something we were focused on.
1: So when you get a when you get a heart transplant, I mean does it have to be the same type blood?
2: Yeah, so I don't think anymore. I'm not I'm not 100% but back then it had a the blood had to match and there had to be some some certain tests that they had to match and um every everything just matched, man. Cuz I I've, I've known people that have a transplant, they need another transplant within like 7 years 5 years and you you never know. You never know what's going to happen. You never know if you're going to get sick. You could get a, a cold and that could start rejection and then that could kill you. That could put you back in the heart. Like there's so many risk factors because when you have a, 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 a transplant, any, any organ, your body, it's a, it's a foreign object to your body. So your, your immune system isn't going to attack it. It's trying to kill it. So that's why they lower your immune system so low that your body's not going to attack it. So that's kind of like the big, one of the main reasons why you take medication for the rest of your life.
1: And so what is the, uh, is there, is there, an, when, uh, do you know this information of when a heart is taken out of someone that has passed and they're going to reuse the heart, uh, is there an expiration date? I mean, do they do it like in the movies? I got to put it on a bucket of ice. I mean, how does that work, bro? You know, not a bucket yeah. of ice, but.
0: Have you ever seen Rat Race? No. Oh, damn. So Mr. Bean has a heart in an ice chest and he has to take it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Just, do you know any anything about that like how long is it is it a, is it like is there a time frame that hey we need it to, we took this heart out and we have to put it back you, into this patient you know, I'm, I'm not sure you're not sure I, I would
2: assume it's a couple days huh. but now like so the crazy thing is now like for me when when I had mine, it was very fast, but now that I talk to a lot of other transplant patients that are going through it now the process, they are they'll wait like a day or two sometimes I don't know why. But so I'm I'm assuming that they're learning that the time period could go further out. Huh. But I don't know what it, what it is. It's
1: interesting, man. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it's, yeah. Uh. So you get your heart put back in you. Uh the seven months that you're waiting around for it, I mean, I know you were in uh you were in bad shape your week. I mean, what'd you do with those seven months? Were you just chilling out, watching T V, eating eating light, visit family visiting?
2: Yeah, so when I first got in there, I was on because I was on a a low sodium diet, like no salt, yeah, because it helps retain water, and then your body, my body's not able to, you know, push it through, yeah, and a low liquid diet. So it sucked. Like I was only able to drink a liter of, I think like a half a liter a liter per day, which when you're when you're at a restriction, you're just like this fucking this sucks, you know, <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, and then I was just getting skinny and skinny and skinny. Like at my skinniest, I think I was like 110 pounds, but I was like six foot, you know? So yeah, like a, you were skin and bones. Yeah. My sister used me and my sister used to make like jokes about I look like Jack from that Christmas story. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> With a big fucking head. Cause like you couldn't you know, uh, cut your hair or nothing <laughs> like that. I wasn't able to cut my hair for like five months or like when they actually like my uncle came in, basically shaved my head, you know? Yeah um but just different experiences you know like i was playing i would play chess with the nurses i would play chess i would play uh, with the nurses and respiratory techs um but like back then it was kind of like you know, remember in school when they'll wheel in the you know you have a movie so they're wheeling the big V C you know the yeah. TV. yeah so that's how it was like if you're the lucky one that had the vcr you had you know you were able to play you know and and or if you had a, a video game or something yeah, but you had to share it with like three floors and it was different it was just real different now every kid in there basically has like an iPad yeah like they're they get so much funding and so like it's Listen, their, their rooms look like a toy store
1: that's good man I mean if you're gonna you're going through something like that we wanna give you everything you know they can possibly get that's, oh yeah that's, it's, it's amazing that's now. dope that it's you know time's changed and we're evolving and you know we're getting better at this, unfortunately, but. Yeah, but so, it's unnecessary. Uh, yeah, so uh, Yeah,
0: so. I'm curious. I'm curious. Yeah. You said you were one of the first to receive one of those devices. Yeah. They were in the early stages of development. Yeah. What options did kids have or people have before those devices?
2: I don't think they really had. Like, I think they're probably going to die. Because, my understanding, like, even I talked to my cardiologist. The reason I asked
0: that is yeah. because, like, I don't know if I'm correct or not, but we're, like, in the 80s. They were, like, trying pig hearts and stuff like that, experimental shit. Yeah, so one of the
2: biggest things that changed, like, the transplant game was this medication called cyclosporin. So before that, you know, they would have a, a successful transplant. Like, they would live the tr- through the transplant. But within a couple days or a week or a couple weeks, their body's killing the heart because... You know they, they didn't know how to fix that part yet All right. so at Children's Hospital LA I found this out a couple of years ago I'm the 13th transplant there wow and uh so it's it's like fuck. like really like you don't even want to be the first one doing something you know <laughs> and uh yeah you know but when this medication called cyclosporin came out they, they started being able to um to live but you had like crazy side effects like you got like big like a big fat face like a moon face it's weird you got all greasy got all hairy like it had crazy side effects and that, and then like um but like when you're like on high doses of it it was just you could you could tell a transplant patient if you knew what to look for yeah yeah back then yeah for sure
1: so moving further into your story 14 years old 7 months you get the heart transplant How, how, how soon were you out that hospital from there?
2: I think it was like two and a half weeks.
1: Two and a half weeks later you are at the hospital, and uh, what capacity are you functioning at?
2: Um, so the the day I left the hospital, my parents, because we were there for so long. I mean, it doesn't, it's not long in now's terms, but back then it was a long time. Um, because a lot of people back then were still waiting at home, and, uh. My, my family got me a limo and me and my buddies and my, you know, my sister, and my, my mom, I think we, we ended up going to City Walk and we got dropped off on one side. I, I couldn't make it to half, the halfway point without my legs hurting, like my shins, because yeah. I just wasn't walking. Like, you know, like my body was so, you know, not used, you know. So like, I also had like bed sores because I was just in bed for so long. And now like the hospital beds, they'll move you. Like so you won't get bed sores. Like they're everything's so much better. You know, not like it wasn't bad then, like they fucking saved my life multiple times. But it's just a, a different, like everything's so much better now.
1: Dope. So uh so moving forward in your life, brother. Yeah. You know, um, how has life been since You've had your heart transplant. You said you had it. You've you fought cancer. I mean, you have something else going on with you right now as well, right?
2: Yeah. So I just got listed for a kidney transplant.
1: Why? Why do you need a kidney transplant? Because of all the medication.
2: Yeah. So all the medication I've been taking, but I also the cancer I had was kidney cancer. Okay. So I had kidney cancer in both my uh, both my kidneys, so that uh, they had to take out partial nephrectomies on both both the kidneys. So they had it on my my left. I heard they took out a bigger chunk because of where the tumor was or whatever. And then on the the right kidney, they took out a smaller chunk. But still, that's kind it just, with all the medication and then with the surgeries, it really beat up my kidneys.
1: And that's how you, you, you it weakened your kidney, which made you, it's more susceptible to to other diseases, right? Uh, makes you kind yeah. of.
2: Yeah, so because of the low immune system, yeah. it makes, like, they, they told me most likely my body would have fought off the cancer if, I had, like, a normal immune system. Yeah. But because my immune system was low, it wasn't able to, and then I got it. But luckily, again, like, because of everything I went through, I got it, most likely. But also because of my doctors and how well they checked me, they found it early, and we were able to take care of it.
1: Did they, uh, this is kind of a random question, bro. Yeah. Uh, did they record you during your surgery?
2: I don't think so. I don't no. think they did through okay. any of yeah, just wondering. wondering. I actually I have pictures of my heart though. Do you? Yeah, of my my, my original heart.
1: Your original heart yeah. sitting on the on like a stainless steel uh table or something. <laughs>
2: it's like yeah, it's in like a blue I don't know, like it's in in a tray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yep. but it uh so I wanted when when I was, you know, later in the months, I was like, Well what's gonna happen to the heart? And I guess they're like they're gonna test it or whatever. So I was like, Well, I want it. Like it's mine, you know, why can't I have it? And they looked at me like I was f- crazy. <laughs> so, but I guess the ER, the OR nurses heard about that and they took some pictures of it and gave it to me.
1: Okay. They gave you the pictures. They didn't actually give you the heart. Nah. Uh, uh,
2: that would have been wild.
1: Have but, been a, but now be, they let be, people. That would have yeah. been an interesting uh, Christmas ornament.
2: Yeah. Now they let people. They like put it in like uh, a <laughs> Angel on the tree, <laughs> dude, on the top. <laughs> what
1: the fuck is that?
2: Yeah, but it's crazy though. Now they they give it to some people. They'll encase uh, encase it in like epoxy or something. Yeah. And our people are able to hold it and take pictures with their original heart. That's fucking nuts, That's bro. That's insane, Mortal insane dude. Mortal combat. Yeah. Huh? That's
0: crazy. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. It's a trip. I seen I seen a couple of people, and I know a girl that was able to do that.
1: I wonder if I wonder if uh, uh, if tran- transvestites do that when they get the surgery, <laughs> like if they get their dick cut off, if they take a picture with their old They're dick out. in their hand. you know what I mean.
0: I don't think they cut it off. Oh, they don't cut it off, Casey? No, I think they, like, put it <laughs> inwardly or something.
1: How did they do you, Casey? <laughs> I,
0: okay. I, a- um,
1: I mean, so how has life been, uh, you know? Have you had to, like, has life been, like, walking on eggshells? I mean, are have you been able to live, uh, you know, a full, prosperous, uh, you know, go out and get a type of life, you
2: know? No, I'm good, bro, like you know, after the transplant that first year was probably the most um, careful. But then, man, I'll be honest, because it was a ninth grade when I got sick. So ninth grade, I was in the hospital pretty much the whole time. And then I had uh, homeschool. And then in 10th, 11th, 12th, I went to Eagle Rock, I was back in high school. And uh, I just lived, you know, oh, so one of the crazy things is, you know, all those all those months in the hospital, One of the questions I asked him was, what, um, like, what what do you, what, uh, how do you say it? Uh, um, what, What is my life expectancy? You know what I mean? Like, how long do you give me?
1: You asked him that.
2: I asked him that. And one of the, you know, and I get it. From the time that we were in, he told me five years was a win. So I just thought I was gonna have a couple extra years and I was like, I'm gonna enjoy life. You know what I mean? I Like back then, like we're partying, you know, the house parties and school to me was easy and it was just a place to be around girls and, and my friends.
1: So when, when you're told that you have a, a life expectancy of, of five years, I mean, man, that's gotta be fucking tough, man, a young kid. I mean, your family's probably catering to you. And they're just, you know, they're thinking, hey, he's got five years. Let's let's have him live his best five years.
2: Yeah, but it's it's weird because when they told me, I wasn't sure if I was going to live the next week. So five years sounded like fucking forever. Yeah. You know, now it doesn't sound like you know not long to like sound that, Yeah. Very
1: promising. Yeah.
2: But back then, cool. Give me five years. You know what I mean? I'll be twenty, twenty-one, and I thought twenty-one was just like a miracle if I live to be 21 but the crazy thing throughout this whole process it was I never thought I was going to die I just didn't think I was going to live long like I you know what I mean like when you're living you're just going through the motions and you're you know you're not like there's things I don't do but there's so many things I did that I probably shouldn't have you know like what you know just going out to parties like you know, when you're partying in Highland Park, Eagle rock or wherever, like it gets crazy sometimes. You know.
1: Were you were you fucking with hard, any hard drugs or anything? I I smoked weed. Smoked weed. Weed and drank beer. Yeah. But nothing else. Having a good time though. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But yeah, I, I didn't get too crazy. That was, I just knew like, my limits. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know your limits still. Interesting. So, what led you up to starting? You're, uh, you had a story you wanted to share about what uh, you're having a good time partying.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, throughout the years, like, uh, about a year after I had my transplant, I ended up getting gallstones, so I had to go back and have another surgery. A couple years later, I had, uh, um, like, I just got, like, when you when you have a transplant in your low immune system, like, I had shingles a couple times, like, and, and if something happened, like, I'll be in the hospital for a week or two, so, but... Um, you know, then then we're, we're just partying, you know, we're ha- having a good time, going out. Especially in your 20s, you're just, you know, doing whatever you're doing. And I remember I was, because I was at Children's Hospital till I was 29. So I really didn't have other doctors. They were just, my, my heart team was taking care of me. And that's not something they really want to do, but that's kind of the way it was. And I remember, I like, say, if I was, <laughs> I sleep with the girl that I didn't trust, I'll go back to my doctor and be like, man, I think, I need to, I think something's, something's wrong. Like I need to, I need to get checked. And my, eventually my, my, one of my heart doctors was like, hey man, you need, a, you need a real doctor. Like we can't keep checking you for STDs. <laughs> 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 but it's just the truth, you know what I mean? Like that shit, that shit happened. And then uh, one day uh, I had to go in, t- I remember I, I called one of my other doctors And uh, I was like, hey, I got to get checked. And they're like, they always ask you, like, do you have symptoms or whatever? And I was like, I don't think I have symptoms. I I wasn't sure yet, but I kind of felt like I was.
1: (laughs) Well, what made you feel like you were with
2: symptoms? It was just like uh, the early stages of... of the drip.
0: <laughs> and
2: uh but like like 3 days later well, I, wait, went, well,
1: I mean where does the early stages of the drip what are you exactly talking about? Oh, Nasal man. drip? I mean, what are we talking about? Oh man,
2: the the bad one. The what's the, happening to you? Uh it just won't stop dripping. <laughs>
1: are you talking yeah. about your uh, your penis? Yeah. Your I, dick?
2: Yeah, I end up yeah. Uh, It wouldn't stop dripping? It wouldn't stop dripping, bro. It was fucking... It was a mean one.
0: The hose was on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: Oh, uh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, so... The crazy part was I went to go do a stress test uh, on my heart. And then I went to one of the doctors or the nurses, and I was like, Hey, I gotta get checked. Like, something's fucked up. And... That was the only time I ever kicked my mom out of the room because sometimes she'll call me I was older sometimes she'll come sometimes she wouldn't and I was like they, they told her to step out and uh, <laughs> and then they they checked me and they're like all right yeah you got either got gonorrhea or chlamydia like you're you got one of them we're gonna give you the medication for both and uh
1: was your shit just spraying all over the place? Like, what was happening? Bro? <laughs> wow, yeah. and...
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not like that, bro. But it was. They didn't put a needle down your
2: dick. Nah, they knew. They knew for sure. I, but they did a, a, a different test and they, they the... checked me for everything else. But
0: were they? Were they think you're crying I to wolf railed. again? I didn't. No, they knew I wasn't. <laughs> oh, okay, I thought they'd be like, man, you're always coming here trying to get checked. Yeah. Listen.
2: So, and then the worst part was my mom was me, with me that day. So when we're going back to the car, she's freaking out, thinking I might have something bad with my heart. So she's like, I need to know. I need to know what, <laughs> what the hell's going on right now. And then like at fucking maniac had to tell her, like I got fucking got a real, you know, or, or something.
1: <laughs> and what did she tell you? Was it a relief for her?
2: <laughs> she just looked at me disappointed, man. <laughs> yeah. That's Ooh. not a story I like to tell, but fuck it,
1: you know. <laughs> <laughs> Hoodstocks, baby. Yeah, I mean, perfect place to share a story like that. I mean, we appreciate stories like that right here, you know. Um, that's funny. That's 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 pretty hilarious. Uh, parent, mom, very uh, supportive. Dad, very supportive.
2: Yeah, my mom fucking amazing. Um, when I caught cancer, that was like the hardest part. Was telling my mom I got cancer again. Because she's just been through so much. So um, about 12 years ago, I ended up getting in a little accident at work. And I had to have uh, my tricuspic valve replaced in my heart. So I had another heart surgery about 12 years ago. Wow. Yeah. But that shit was, it was a trip. Because I got in, I worked at Warner Brothers Studios. And uh, I was riding like a golf cart. And somebody... Like I didn't crash like a tonto, but like I I crashed. <laughs> like a tonto. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't really my fault. Somebody lifted something that, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. But uh, like I went into the steering wheel all hard and, like, fucked yourself up. Yeah, it fucked me up. Yeah. And about three weeks later, they're like, oh yeah, your tricuspid plow. it's supposed to open and close and that, you know the blood in and out, but it wasn't like it was it was off. Yeah. So you know I was getting sick. And then that time they were telling me that. I might need a heart transplant. We might wait for a heart transplant. Like there is all these, you know, they give you every scenario. But you know, thankfully, I just needed that tricuspid valve replaced, and that's very rare on a transplanted heart to have, you know, a
0: valve replaced. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so since then, you have uh, you started a foundation. Wait.
0: What's yeah. that? I want to know what happens when uh, when you um turn twenty one. What did you think you know i was just we went to party because <laughs> it was the five years did you sit you know, back and be like wow this is
1: that's a good question yeah
0: yeah
2: you know i didn't think about it it was but i also was i was i just didn't think i was gonna live long so i was ranking up a lot of credit card debt because i didn't think i was ever have to pay it back mm-hmm. like you know what i mean i remember one day my mom Came up to me, she's like, "Hey, I know you have a lot of debt. Like, what are you doing?" And I was like, "Who cares? I'm never gonna have to pay it back. Like, why would I?
1: You know what I mean?" What were you spending it on? Credit cards? Were you oh. just everything, anything?
2: Yeah, just bullshit. You know, partying and I think I was fixing up my truck. I bought a truck. Yeah. Yeah. But nothing. I, nothing good. You know what I mean? Like just stupid shit. Like yeah. You're in there. Yeah, for
1: sure. Yeah. Shit, you really couldn't afford.
2: Yeah, just, yeah. and even if I did, like I wasn't paying off my debt, anyways. I was just still partying, yeah. you know.
1: And so you have a you have a a foundation you've started. Tell me about that foundation.
2: Yeah. So, I I, I caught cancer during COVID, and um, I ended up losing a couple family members and fr- uh, one of my best friends. Uh, and after, like, I got better and everything, and. Well, you, do you know Vanna, uh, Raquel's mom? Yeah. Like, you know, she passed away during that time. Yeah. Um,
1: RIP. Shout out to Raquel.
2: Yeah. And uh, my friend Priscilla passed away. My cousin Joey passed away. Um, all different reasons, you know what I mean? But during that time, I was just like, and I had money. So I was. I always knew um, I wanted to do something, mostly for kids, you know, I and, and the transplant community. So after i got better and stuff i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna do it i'm not going to wait anymore i pretty much had the idea um like set of what we're going to do um i knew i kind of wanted to give i remember when i was in the hospital how nice it was when you got something a gift you were able to open something a or letter or you know something something like that so what we do is we give out uh hope kits we call them hope kits they're Um, we, they're like three to $500. And so, you know, just say like you needed a, you were one of the patients. I'll, I'll talk to you and be like, okay, you know, lucky likes, uh, the Dodgers. Um, and whatever else, you know, you're in the podcasting. So maybe, uh, headphones or, or something, you know what I mean? So I'll talk to the families. And I'll see what they're into. And we'll make a box specifically for that kid. Yeah. That's dope.
1: So you, uh, you're going into these hospitals now with your foundation, uh, with these Hope Kits to try to make their stay in their situation a little bit easier.
2: Yeah. So I I I met one guy who had a transplant um, when I was a kid. And he only had a transplant like three months. Or something like that. It was it was fairly fairly new, and uh, I could only imagine if I met somebody that was twenty seven years out, you know, or even twenty years out, ten years out. It would it would have changed my perspective on on everything. So, one of the biggest things that I that I've learned through the you know these first patients that we're helping and the families is just talking to the parents. You know, most of the most of them are real young. So, our first year we helped five families. The our first patient was 18, an 18 year old girl. She's still waiting for a transplant. A two year old little baby, a little baby girl, um, a six year old little girl, and um, I think another six year old boy, and. I think the baby was like three months old, a little baby and and uh you know th- th- the the first girl' was still waiting for a transplant the second girl unfortunately after she got her transplant she passed away um the little the little girl uh the little six year old is still waiting i I just saw her um like two months ago, a month ago, the cutest little girl, the cutest little you know, Mexican girl, and she's just always in a good mood. Her family's just rock solid, man. They're there all the time. So a lot of times when I go back after I give the box, I try to go back to visit. I'll try to take gift cards and just shoot them gift cards because you know, nobody's going home and cooking when their kid's in the hospital for eight months, a year, you know what I mean, or three months. Even if they're there for a couple of days, like your life's at the hospital. You know, and uh, so I'd like I try to shoot them gift cards if I can, if we could afford it at the time. And, uh, you know, and then the other little six year old boy just had his transplant f- like two months ago. He just went home a few weeks ago and the little baby had the transplant after like eight months and they're home. But it's every story is different. Every story. Um, they have different experiences. Like that was something I, I had to learn. I thought my experience was just the craziest, the only important one. But as you grow older, you're like, nah. Everybody has their story, their journey, and everybody's. You know, it's important to share if they're if you if you want that. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And so, how can people support your foundation, brother?
2: So you can go to youngatheartfoundation.com and you can make a donation on on the website. Um, you could also sponsor a Hope Kit. Uh, we're only asking $300 if you want to sponsor a Hope Kit. Um, we're going to host a golf tournament on September 29th. Our flyer's not out yet, but it should be out by next week for the golf tournament. Um, and then we're, we're, you know, we, but ma- mainly like we, we need donations because, you know, like I said, I, at the time I had some money and I've been funding everything. Yeah. So Be coming out of pocket for it though. Yeah, but it's worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. I'm, I'm but, passionate about and something I live through. Is this a um, nonprofit you have?
1: Yeah. Okay. So how can people go and donate to uh, your foundation, your nonprofit?
2: Uh, go to the website. Uh, you could also go on our Instagram, uh, youngandheartfoundation.com, younginheart. uh, and on the in the link tree you could you know see how to do it too. If you message me, you know we we'll work something out too. You know, um, but but we're all legit like we know let us know we'll do the tax you know stuff so you can get the tax write-off for it yeah and um and yeah like our the the main three things that we do for the foundation is you know the hope kids for the kids connect with family we're trying to make a community because like every community you know like the the homies you know what i mean like when people could share their stories with each other and like I may not be able to relate with you as well, but I could relate with homeboy right here, you know? Yeah, like, absolutely. So, some, you know, that's kind of one of the things that we're learning, too. And um, so right now, I'm basically talking to everybody. But, you know, if if you could talk to somebody and have a better story, like one of the the mom of the little baby, um, she talked to my mom the other day yeah, just because, she, you know, she's having a hard time, you know? And she's like, hey, can I talk to your mom? And I was like, probably well, let be, me ask her, you know?
1: It would be easier for her to relate to your mom because she's a mom, right? Yeah. Yeah. And she, your mom can put her up on game because your mom's been. And shout out to your mom, too. Love to your mom. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. you. Know? It's good to have a good foundation. You know, Mike, this is uh, this has been dope, brother. And I'm glad that you made time to come through. Yeah, thank you for having share me. your journey right here, brother. I mean, I wish you many more. And any way we can help, brother, we'll post... Uh, foundation links and everything okay, in the cool. description right here and um just uh many more moons to your brother many more blessings and uh stay strong keep pushing forward and uh just thank you so much for uh, making time for us today
2: yeah thank you thank you for letting me share my story and you know talk about the foundation because i mean the cool thing is we're we're growing bro and we're gonna like we, we're keeping everything on a nice level and you know we're we're, we're really going to make, we're making impact already, yeah. but I can't wait to see where it goes.
1: Exactly. And the yeah. sky's the limit, baby. And you're going to do it. You know what I mean? It just takes the community to come together and just uh, stuff like this, bro, helps out a lot. I'm sure it does. And we'll do our due diligence, do our best to, you know, put you out there so other people can hear about you. And I think we're doing it right now with this podcast. Yeah, bro. yeah, for sure. Thank you. Yeah. So this has been dope. Everybody give it up for Mike Young.